The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Oh, you're on the off spin and, and what a night of test cricket we had last night. What an incredible display of uh, broadcasting excellence, of sitting around, of groundsman work. You know, it, it was really something to behold. I, I didn't even bother. Really? Yeah. I got about an hour in before I was like, fuck this shit. There's so I was, no I was watching <laughs> New Zealand play India replay of a warm-up game from mm. the 90, 2019 World Cup and. I couldn't get into it. Show the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there is a there is Test cricket on at the moment uh, for tonight only. Uh, the England women are taking on India women. Pretty delicately poised game at the moment, actually. Uh, India's following on. They're one wicket down in their second innings, I think, and still need about eighty odd to 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 make England bad again. So you know, uh, let's hope that they get some good weather because it sure as hell doesn't look like we will be. I know. I wonder if SouthamptonWeather.com uh, crashed at any point. Yeah, probably. Yesterday. Yeah. It reminded me of being a kid and listening to News Talk ZB. Uh, On the Saturday morning, yeah. Yeah, getting the round-the-ground updates for who's going to get um, (laughs) play or not. Did you hope, uh, when when you looked outside and it was a bit shitty, did you hope for a cancellation or did you hope to just go there and and maybe not play? Maybe play anyway? Depends. Some days I desperately hope for a cancellation. Mm. I couldn't be fucked playing cricket. Mm. But some days you're pretty, you know, you're feeling good, you're feeling fit, you wanted to go out there, take a few wickets, score a few runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hated when the ball was wet, you know? Yeah, it really kills the game, eh? It kills the game. And possibly uh, kills the ingenious selection that India made a day in advance as well. Because now they're going to go into very, like, it's going to be a very soggy ground. uh, And they're going to be playing with two spinners. Maybe it doesn't matter because they're two of the best spinners in the world. But... Maybe they've got to they've got to make a change. According to Twitter, they can change their team. They can right the up to the toss, toss, which hasn't happened yet. Um, it's nine thirty in the morning, but it's still a good time for a beer because the offspin is brought to you by the beer spot. Well, you've already been to the gym today, so you're allowed this. I've done my birthday burpees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so thank you to the beer spot for that, and also if you were listening to yesterday's episode. Uh, we teased a very special guest and perhaps slightly foolishly and riskily uh, said who it was. 
I actually text former New Zealand cricket captain Brendan McCullum explaining that we'd teased his appearance and that really? if he didn't show up, it would be, make me look really dumb. Uh, so oh he's he is God. promised. I've texted with him this morning, and he's promised to uh, come on come on for a phone call very soon. You saying that um, makes me even more certain that it's all going to go wrong. Yeah, there'll, there'll be technical difficulties. Yeah, I there's going to be something. It's got to be. Well, anyway, we'll call him live and. Mad props to Alice Webler-Dole for showing up on uh, Saturday morning to help us out on the the ones and twos. Absolutely. Um, And to, uh, because we're we're kind of idiots when it comes to the technical side of how to do a podcast. So uh, I would like to acknowledge that for the original uh, Offspin, Mm -hmm. I did a lot of the recording um, on my own. You would like to acknowledge that about yourself. Yeah, would well, you that, have preferred that I, that me I, to acknowledge it for you? Well, we, we managed to create a, a podcast that was like marginally successful um, without any sort of skill, knowledge or talent. And, you know, it, was, it, it worked out. Very good point. Um, in the uh, three or four minutes or so before we... Six. Sh- six minutes before we... Uh, before we co- This is just like what they were doing last night. We've just got to pad just it out. Filling in time. We've got to, yeah. Do we so have we've any? put together a personal highlights package of our favourite um, Brendan McCullum moments. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go first? So I think because of what happened in the game as a whole, my favourite Brendan McCullum moment is uh, his launching the innings of the semi final at uh, Eden Park, which then led to Grant Elliott. Um, mm. hitting that penul- mm. penultimate ball for six without Brendan's start because South Africa got a really big score. They had a very competitive total, yeah. yeah. Uh, without Brendan's ridiculous start. And it was quite a shortened game from memory as well, wasn't down it? Down to 41 overs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duckworth Lewis was on New Zealand's side that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without Brendan's start and the momentum that gave the team and the way it got the crowd involved after the rain delay, um, there was no chance of Grant even being in that position and Mm. he just hit two of the best bowlers in the world all over Eden Park and it was just incredible yeah yeah you don't by any chance remember his strike rate from that day or anything do you 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 tell me your uh favorite Brendan McCullough moment while I google uh that game well I mean so when I when I think about uh the you know who Brendan McCullum was as a cricketer uh there's a bit of recency bias here but It's very heavily weighted towards how he reformed the culture of the New Zealand cricket team uh, towards, you know, towards the idea of of being themselves, uh, reflecting New Zealand culture a bit more, being sort of, uh, you know, competitive but friendly. But personally, my my favourite Brendan McCullum memory, and I, uh, I think he was absolutely being exactly who he was in this moment as well, uh, but it was well before all of that reform. He was quite a young cricketer at the time, and he was playing in a one-dayer in Wellington against Australia, and Brett Lee started bowling beamers at him, uh, and, but probably accidentally, uh, though there were rather a few of them. And the absolute defiance that he just stepped to him with was, uh, you know, it was incredible to see. It's very rare for batsmen to engage in anything that you might call sledging or, or anything like that. But wow, he was just absolutely, totally unafraid of him, or at least uh, gave 
gave everyone on the ground and everyone watching in the stands the impression that he was totally unafraid of him. And, you know, maybe you can reform the team culture uh, to being the nice guys of world cricket when you've also shown uh, that you've got some of that sort of steel underpinning it as well. Brett Lee sounded like a um, like a nine year old at Bloodworth Park on a wet Saturday morning. He's been complaining. I'm reading an interview now. He said the ball was like a piece of soap. You know, it was. Uh, it's like a piece of soap. <laughs> we, we shouldn't do accents. No, it's, no, no, this, no. This oh, you can you can do it Australian. So quickly back to the first semi final of the 2015 World Cup. Brendan McCullum hit 59 from 26 balls, eight fours and four sixes for a strike rate of 226. It's quite good. Which leads me to my second favourite. Quite a good cricketer, really. Second favourite Brendan McCullum moment was him falling about three metres short of the world's fastest test double hundred. He plundered Sri Lanka, who we just seem to perpetually be playing at that period Mm -hmm. of um, New Zealand's cricket. Uh, And he just took them all over Hagley Oval. It It was incredible. I think he arrived when to bat when Kane Williamson was on about 40. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it was like just watching a race car just storm past mm. a cyclist <laughs> on the same sort of track. And, and Kane talked about how amazing it was to be at the other end of that innings. He sort of got bogged down. He got stuck. Yeah. And Brendan just accelerated away. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's our time? Should we should we hit this number now? Minute. Should we call the former New Zealand cricket captain? Yeah, let's Brendan let's call the former New Zealand cricket captain let's. and current commentator, and I should say, going to be the breakfast host on SENZ Radio. Hello, mate. Oh, hello. Kia ora, How are we doing? We're very well, thank you. Uh, you're also joined by Alex Bray, my co-host. Kia ora. How are you? Uh, kia ora. Thank you very much for um, for joining us today. We should we should probably tell you that we are live right now. Uh, we've just oh. decided to call you live on the show. So um, so yeah, I hope that's okay. You know, maybe it's preparing you for your radio career where interviews <laughs> just start immediately. But um, here's hoping. Yeah, well, that's right. I'll be doing the interviews, not being interviewed. Anyway, well, true, true. No worries. No worries, I've got a horse float just driving down my road here. I hope that's not coming here. I don't need any more horses. How many horses do you have? Too many. About <laughs> six or seven. I've got too many, though. But this one's driving very slowly. So anyway, carry on. Are you still uh, Are you still based in Matamata, by the way? Or are you are you back in a big city now? No, no, I'm in, I'm in Matamata, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, lovely. Yeah. How yeah. late did you stay up last night? What time did you give up? No, I realised once the boys were walking across the field and it, they were about a foot deep in water that there was no chance, so I sort of gave it up then. I've got a bit of footy to play today too, so you know I had to go and get some rest. <laughs> Fair enough. When you're, when you're playing in a situation like that, how do you fill the day? Like, what do you do? You play cards. Uh, well, some guys will play cards. Um, some guys will just sit around and... And chat. Some will do a, a cryptic crossword, and some will sit there and play cricket inside, which never made any sense to me that mm. you'd that you'd want to play tennis ball cricket while you're sitting there waiting for your real opportunity. But some guys do that. So you sort of you get different pockets and mixtures within your team, which pass the time. Is it hard to stay sort of focused and prepared without knowing sort of when you're actually going to end up playing cricket? No, not really. You sort of just get used to it. I guess as a cricketer, all the way through, you kind of become accustomed to rain and and uh, there's a saying which 
does the rounds mainly in county cricket, but but does the rounds, which is you never begrudge rain. Mm. So you, you you take your days off when you get given them, and uh, and then you just try and force the result in the game if um, if it has been shortened a little bit. So, what about as a as a commentator? Have you ever had to kind of pad out a day uh, like they had to last night? Yeah, it's hard work too, especially if you haven't got a whole lot of content in behind you. But I think sometimes actually that's where some of the real gold can come out because it's you get an opportunity to sort of long form kind of discussions and. Uh, it can go in different directions. There's no real kind of set agenda when you when you have those chats. So, well, I find some of those are, are some of the most intriguing. I've enjoyed listening to like the likes of Michael Atherton and that um, when they dive into some of the old stories when they get given plenty of time during rain breaks. And, and I found as a commentator, it's actually yeah, it's quite a good experience. It can be quite difficult at times, but if um, you know if you have got enough content, it's quite good. Well, because I find with your with your kind of commentary, you you sort of commentate a little bit like you you played cricket. It's quite sharp and incisive. Uh, it sort of seems like there's quite kind of high impact, high energy bursts, uh, without necessarily being the the one who is spending the whole time talking. So, I mean, is that is that something that you see as your role in the commentary team, or is is that you know just a, a an impression of a watcher that doesn't quite match reality? Oh, well, that sounds quite complimentary, actually. I'll take that on board because that's what you're sort of trying to achieve because there's nothing worse than, um, you know, trying to take however long you need to to say something which which um, only needs said briefly. Ian Smith said that to me. He said, try and say the most insightful thing you can with the least amount of words. It's a real, and, real and art and skill and it's really hard. And you've also got to remember that not every single person that's watching the, the game is – or has has known the game for a long period of time, so you need mm. to at times. I'm not going to say dumb it down, but you need to allow. You've got to also explain, um, you know, some of some of the nuances of the game and some of the positions, etc. While you're going through your conversations and, and trying to make your points, so you just got to, I guess, try and hit the wider audience as well, not just cricket specialists. And I think Spark Sport did a really good job of sort of renovating um, the role of the commentary team and and preventing a really diverse spectrum of um, on people in that squad. Was it a good summer? Did you enjoy that transition to being a broadcaster? Yeah, absolutely. I loved it, to be honest. The team that we put together from a commentary point of view, the crew and behind were outstanding as well, our leaders and our producers and directors and, and executive producers and big bosses at Spark were so... <laughs> Um, giving of their time and, and their um, they, they just allowed things allowed us to develop at our own pace as a as a team and I think there was some really nice moments right throughout the season where you could almost see developing relationships and friendships in the commentary box. Everyone that's in there is different in their own way. Um, they've all everyone's got great pedigrees in various aspects and and it is a very diverse um, group of commentators as well, but I think there's a real nice collective harmony within that group and I think that comes out with a bit of softness and also enthusiasm for the game and so a sense of positivity on the screen. Well that's that's what we're trying to achieve anyway and that's what I felt within the within the commentary box and and I mean the point where even after every day everyone would sit back and and have a beer after the 
after the day's play and just talk through, you know, how we how we go today, anything we can do differently tomorrow, can we improve in this aspect? Mm. And that's mm. that's pretty rare to have a, a culture kind of develop within a commentary box because normally what happens is the minute you're not scheduled to be on air, you're in the you're in the cab back home and you don't even hear what's uh, what's happening. But maybe because we're slightly younger as a well, not younger, but maybe slightly more inexperienced as a commentary group, mm. we kind of got to grow together. And and you know we make we made a whole lot of mistakes too. But but I think you know from Spark's point of view, they wanted that. They wanted us to be different and to and to try to sell the game a little bit differently. So hopefully we achieve that in, in the first year. Well, first year of six. So, uh, you know, plenty of time to um, to sort of hone it as well, which must be nice. Yeah, that's right. And keep, you know, well, keep growing it, but but also keep the real core of it together. And and I'm sure we'll see some, you know, everyone find their, their real niche within the group. And you know, guys like Grant Elliott are just absolute gold and behind the scenes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you, really enjoyed his uh, his partnership with Jitan Patel, actually. I thought uh, whenever those two were on together, for some reason it just worked beautifully. Yeah, and, and also just the way that he like, he's a great conduit for everyone else within the, within the commentary box to just relax and enjoy themselves and not take themselves too seriously. You're obviously a professional, but, you know, just really be a part of a team. No different to when he played, you know. Um, and Grant was was a fantastic player, mm. um, but he actually added more to the group behind the scenes than he probably did on the field as well. And that's not to be derogatory of his performances. That's just to explain how how key a ingredient someone like Grant is and behind the scenes for a culture. You sort of talk about uh, developing a culture and and uh, quite specifically having a having a beer after the day's play, as it were, and figuring out how you want to do things differently and. And that's something that sounds eerily similar to what was described in a very good Cricket Monthly article that's just come out recently about how uh, you and uh, and Mike Hesson and other people involved in the Black Cap setup reformed the culture in the wake of uh, the demolition in South Africa. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't have to be a beer. Um, well, sure, yeah. In my, yeah, in my, yeah. In my case, it, it, it is. Um, but <laughs> not, not everyone has to go down that route, but it's more the, um, the sense of being together and having a, a sign-off or a, um, an investment outside of the pressure of what goes on in your sort of daily job. And it's a nice sign-off. It's a way where you can turn the page on that night, learn your lessons, and move forward to the next day rather than what can really get to you, especially on the field in cricket, and I'm sure it is the same in commentary, is it becomes repetitive and it becomes mundane and mm. you start dragging past poor performances into future performances and and it just makes it impossible to be in the absolute present, which is where the gold is. So mm. that's that's where it's a really pivotal thing for teams and and that they spend a lot of time together and, and there's a lot less pressure on during those moments and I guess I'm fortunate enough to be in some leadership positions in cricket um, in terms of teams but also I guess now luckily in in um, broadcasting as well and, and commentary and, and I guess one of you know if you are going to be thrust into leadership positions then you need to ensure that you're authentic to, to how you want to do things and, and everyone has jumped on board with all of those so yeah very fortunate and got an incredible group and it's a pleasure to work with them all. Yeah. What's it been like watching Kane and the team build on that culture and, and um, that sort of legacy and, and continue to grow? And what do you think the difference between 
your team and his team is? Well, I think he's taken this team to a whole new level. Um, you know, the job at Ham was very different back then. Um, the job was very much about earning respect and, and um, trying to drag us a little bit out of the doldrums. And and it's certainly no one's fault that it had been before. It's just that it, that's how the thing, that's how things had sat, and we had to be brutally honest with ourselves and. And then start to try and climb our, our way back up the ladder of respect within the New Zealand people first and foremost, mm, and then hopefully mm. eventually around the world. And and that was kind of the job at hand for us. And then the job at hand for Kane was to now, with the with an element of respect earned through our for our own, from our own people, now it was about trying to earn a level of respect around the world as a formidable um, world class um, international cricket side and. And they've added that element of consistency, which under my leadership was never going to happen because of the style of play um, that I was asking <laughs> the guys to play. Um, I'm quite... unapologetic about that either, though, because I felt we needed that at the time. And there was going to be some some big hits and there was going to be some big misses, but we needed that to free ourselves up and, and to actually you know become aware, become aware of how good we could be. And then I'm, I'm almost most proud of when I stepped away to be honest, boys, because, mm. you know, I could have kept playing, I could have kept sort of hanging on, and, and like the ego of captaining New Zealand is, is always going to be there. So, you know, <laughs> you could have just hung on to that for a couple of years. But I knew that the team was ready to go in a different direction. I'd done as much as I possibly could with them, and the selfless thing to do, and the thing that you should do as a captain or as a leader is know when, when it's time for someone else to step up. And then mm. I knew that Kane would bring that. The, the, the team was ready for Kane, and it's been a perfect um, ascent since Kane took over to to the heights that they've got to. And it's now a, a, a definitely it's the team is is uh, in his image, which is fantastic because I think the best sporting teams are always in the image of their leaders. Well, and and he's he's encouraged a lot of leaders around him as well, and they've been sensational in their performances. One of the things that uh, that comes out very clearly from Kane Williamson is unselfishness. But I, I suppose one of the things that I want to ask about uh, from your experience of being a captain, uh, you've got someone like... Matt Henry, for example, who's just played the test of his life and is probably going to get dropped for the pinnacle game. Uh, we don't know the team yet, but it looks like they're going to go in with a new ball combination of Bolt and Southie. So what what do you say to someone like Matt Henry in a situation like that to make him feel like he is actually still part of the team? I think it's pretty easy, to be honest. I think most of those players will know themselves whether they're in or they're out. <laughs> right. Cricket is a, a, a realist as well, right? And, and they'll know, Matt Henry will know that he got the opportunity in that test match because Tim Southey, who's been arguably you know one of our greatest ever um, opening bowlers, was resting to get right for this. And, and they're, they're building so much depth. And you just got to be honest with players as well when those conversations do come about. And I'm not sure how they do it now. Back in... Back in the time I was captain, we always had Mike S and I had a had a um, agreement that I'd always go and tell the guys in the squad who weren't playing. Really, um, just for consistency of message. How did you find those conversations? They're, they're uncomfortable at times because you're, you're letting guys down. You, you're starving them of an opportunity to represent your country. But mm. the guys are great, and as long as you're honest with people, you're transparent and you're consistent in your messages, which. You know, the messages coming from Mike and me were very consistent. 
um, then then guys understand. And there's going to be a moment where they suffer natural self-disappointment, and that's why you're trying to tell them as early as you can that they won't be in the team. So I'd try and do it the day before. Mm. And then it gives them time to, to be able to just digest things themselves. Then when we turn up the following day, their job now is not to run in and try and swing the new ball. Their job now is to try and make sure that the guys who are out on the field are given everything they possibly can to perform their role the best. And when, mm. when it's their time, when when the, when the time does come that, that they get the opportunity out on the field, then the same would be expected of those who, who aren't playing. So I think once you build that, and, and also you, you just got to make sure you're spending time with those guys too, particularly in test matches. So I'd normally try and get the guys who weren't playing, um, who, who were on the bench um, after day one, I'd try and get them together for a beer um, down in the hotel bar and mm. just try and sort of invest a bit of time in them too because it can be quite lonely on the road as a as a guy who's not playing. Well, I'd so, imagine yeah. there must be a risk of sort of cliques developing within teams as well, right? I mean, is that how do you get past that? Well, there is, and there will always be there because everyone's different, right? Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't demand um, everyone to be the same, otherwise you may as well rip all the personality out of your side. And <laughs> and well, that's not how I like to see sporting teams play. I like to see them play with a bit of passion and a bit of, bit of uh, say la vie sort of attitude. So yeah, I mean, you just got to treat people the way that you want to be treated, no matter whether they like the same things that you do or not. <laughs> as long as you're not suspicious, I think, of those cliques, I think that's the key. You just know that people are going to get on with various people differently. You try and occasionally bring everyone together as a collective and then allow them to just operate in their own space. Mm. We were talking before we called you about some of our personal favourite uh, Brendan McCullum moments that we'd, that we'd been able to witness. Do you have a favourite moment from your playing career? I have a few few favourite moments for different reasons. Um, obviously, the three hundred two that that moment when the crowd wouldn't sit down after <laughs> after we reached after we reached three hundred and and just the significance of what that meant for the past players and and for the New Zealand cricket public. Um, so that was that was a pretty emotional moment. I still um, wish the crowd yes. had rushed the field for you though. Like I think we let you down just a little bit there. <laughs> I'll forgive them. Um, <laughs> no, I guess the, the last Test match was um, was able to get that fastest hundred against Australia. That, that's a special moment for different reasons because that sort of showed to me that no matter where you sort of think you're at, and and no matter how down on confidence you are, which I was at that point in time, and I could see the finish line from a career point of view. Mm. you can still steal yourself if you're authentic to yourself. Mm. You can still find a way to to kind of rise up and, and sort of have your moment if you're 100% belief in how you want to do it and you stay true to that. If you masquerade and you start trying to be someone you're not, then you will fail. Well, you might succeed initially, but you won't, you won't have sustained success. But that moment sort of taught me that I could still find a way to – to deliver even against the odds, and and that was a pretty cool moment. Big, um, big shout out from, to James Pattinson for his uh, for his no ball. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, maybe if his foot wasn't over, I would have got it past backward points. So maybe I should have got there a bit early. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rules of the game, right? <laughs> but then I think like some of the my favourite team moments 
which, you know, that for me was what it was all about. I always played not for – it's a bit morbid, but we talk, Kane and myself and a few others, Tim Stout and that, we always talk about that. Your runs and your wickets and that don't go on your gravestone. It's, you know, mm. they say mm. loving father, friend to many, et cetera. So, you know, I, I played for those around me and, and the experiences of those and, and the relationships which and friendships which develop. So the team moments for me were always of more importance. And I think that the most amazing yet emotional time and, and – Sad time was obviously the Phil Hughes um, situation, and yeah, and the performance of our team, which followed that, was just unbelievable, really. Um, and what it did for us beyond that, and it was a terrible time. And but I think it what it did it freed us up as cricketers because we we realised that the game just needs to be played for the game. Um, we mm. get ourselves so caught up in the the white noise and the pressures, and and then that moment where where we're having to play and we didn't want to, but we were playing just to be with one another, um, kind of did had some pretty lasting impacts on our on our cricket team and our relationship and our culture within that group. And it brought us really a lot closer. So that was a big moment. And probably the other um, big moment was the, the 2015 um, World Cup, which was just a ride of a lifetime. And It was a lot of fun for everyone, eh? Oh, mate, it was unbelievable. It was just six weeks of everything you hoped for as a kid and the opportunity to – and I'd still pinch myself now and say, why us? Why did we get the chance to have a home World Cup and, <laughs> and just take the country on that ride? And, look, we didn't win the World Cup, but it kind of didn't matter because we had done the job of inspiring the next generation and, and it wasn't our time. Yeah. Um, maybe it's our time now in this, in this World Test Championship. I'm not sure, but that was, that was probably one of my favourite times. So there's a few there for you anyway. So tell us about your uh, your new gig on, on SENZ. What's that all about? Yep, so that's going to be a bloody exciting gig, actually. Um, so the Baz and Izzy breakfast show. That could Baz be, and Izzy, far out. <laughs> could, could be inter- interesting listening for everyone involved. Look, neither of us are uh, broadcasters or, or trained uh, broadcasters, shall I say, and, and radio oh. folks. Um, look, well, we, your, your producer, Louis Watt, he, he comes with a very high pedigree. So, you know, that's something. Well, he's a jet and he's going to have to ensure that things stick to the schedule. The top of the hour and the, and the bottom of the hour, we only just learned what that was the other day. So we're pretty <laughs> raw, but but we're going to get there. And for those who are listening, the top of the hour, and who don't understand, the top of the hour is at 12 o'clock on the hand. Yeah, and then the good, bottom good. of the hour is the six o'clock on the hand. So therefore, oh my God, you're ready. Not, you're ready. Uh, that's right. That's right. But for a layman, we wouldn't understand that. So we're a bit raw, um, but we come in with plenty of enthusiasm. Obviously, Izzy has has got the rugby pedigree, so we can cover rugby. I've got a little bit of cricket pedigree, so we can cover cricket. We're both sports fans across many other different sports. So we'll, we should hopefully be able to have a bit of fun in there and discuss some, some good topics. The thing that they, uh, that both Izzy and, and Louie and myself chatted about is we want it to be, we want to champion our New Zealand champions, you know. We want to actually mm, mm. bring this really enthusiastic, positive vibe to to 6 till 9 in the morning. And, and then hopefully because of that, the guys, will, all the athletes around New Zealand will, will get on board with it too and they'll want to come on our show and, chat and and we can sell the sort of the, the dreams and 
and and and help to try and build their profiles too. But so that, it's really that's cool. really interesting because sports radio for a long time has had an image of being uh, such a place of negativity. You know, it's it's where you call up when the All Blacks have just lost event or or the Black Caps, and and it's where you know people get their pitchforks out. So is that I don't know. Is that something that you that you disliked when you were a player? That that sort of mentality around sports radio. Look, I think it's important that there's an aspect of that there because you know we're not all. I love a cliche, lads, but we're not all like drinking from the the same bathwater. Like we have to bloody. It's not even the cliche. What is it? What's yeah, the cliche? Who's, who's drinking you know the bathwater I mean? at all? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You know yeah, the what's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, yeah, can, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All, yeah. So I think it's important that there's there's still um, aspects of honesty in there as well. If a performance is poor, then it needs to be pointed out. Mm. But then don't just point it out and just continue to point it out and run the personality down. Point it out and try and give a bit of a pathway forward of what could be done differently. And if you don't know yourself as a host, bring someone else in who's the expert on it. But still keep it a constructive, positive kind of vibe with some solutions moving forward. I I, I did find when I was playing that there were some really great supporters of the game um, and occasionally there were some who, who just wanted to shock and maybe weren't quite as informed about the game or mm, the topic mm. but wanted to be heard, and, and that's okay too, but that's not how we're going to do it. Mm. Um, and it's so just so I'm pretty exciting. lucky to sort of help put it together, sort of help put it, put it together a little bit with um, Craig Hutchinson. The boss, he rang me about a year and a half ago, and he said, um, G'day, mate, I own SEN uh, over in Australia. I want to do a a radio station in New Zealand. I want you to do the breakfast show. How do we put this together? And I'm like, you're having a laugh, aren't you? <laughs> a year and a half ago. I, I had no idea yeah. it's been in train for so long. Yeah, and so we sort of started picking a few parts and, together and and plotting a few pathways forward. And first thing I said to him is, no dickheads, okay? We've got to make sure we've got a, <laughs> a good team of people that will celebrate one another as well. So when you know, Ian Smith shows on and we've been listening and we pick up something which is really good. Then we go on the next day and we actually, we talk about how good Ian Smith is at broadcasting and that point that he made yesterday was fantastic. And then we talk about the point that Kirsty Stanway and Stephen Donald made the night before, which we agreed with. So rather than sort of trying to just be one out and isolated as, as shows, actually try and really pull the whole station together so that there's some, some consistency and, and a bit of a culture to try and develop over a period of time across that station too. So, yeah, it's it's been a cool experience, and now we're almost there. We're almost ready to when, launch. When's, and, when's launch date? Uh, still a little bit fluid. COVID, the COVID situation <laughs> over in Australia yeah, true, and Melbourne yeah. has um, has made things just a little difficult to get everyone over. And look, we're we're trying to build a station which is going to be around for fifty years. So if we have to take another week or two, so be it. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Really excited to have cricket back on the radio, though. It was, it was so nice listening while I was sort of going to sleep uh, during the Edge Baston test. And it's, it's, a, it's a format that is made for uh, radio commentary, which I love. Absolutely. Really appreciative of your time, Brendan. Um, thanks for making space for us on the weekend. And, and good luck with all the, the future endeavours. Oh, it's, and it's good really luck exciting. with the footy as well. That, I mean, that sounds like it's going to be the biggest challenge you've got all year, keeping, uh, keeping well, fit for the footy season. Yeah, no, I have been playing a little bit of footy this year, but we're up against it today. I've got to make a start for the A's 
here in Matamata. So it could be, could be a little niggly. And I quite like running rugby, and it's been absolutely hammering it down all night. So <laughs> I might end up. Are you playing, playing number 10 or No, no, I'm playing fullback. Oh, okay, right, uh, right. If I don't get in the contact, I'd better try and get my jersey dirty somehow. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for coming on with the offspin. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, like Simon said, all the best. Thank you, Ades. Shabro. One Brendan McCullum story I wanted to tell was um, how for my 30th birthday, I played a round of golf uh, with Brendan. <laughs> and on the 18th hole, it was, it was um, a few months before my wedding. And on the day after my wedding, we'd set up to have a cricket game, my friends and family against my wife's friends mm-hmm, and family. The mm-hmm, winner of the cricket game mm-hmm. would get to choose the name of our future family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the 18th hole, um, after Brendan sunk his part, I said, I got a personal request that I'm hoping you might be able to help me with because I knew that the team was in between Christchurch and uh, Nelson at that time of the schedule. And I asked him if he would um, come out and open the batting for my friends and family against my wife. <laughs> and he said, mate, I'd love to. It would be an honour, except your father-in-law's already asked me and I'm going oh. uh, to be playing for Millie's team. And my heart sank and I freaked out that I was going to have to open the bowling oh, against Brendan McCullum. Unfortunately, it was, um, well, fortunately, it was a really well-arranged gag. Uh, Brendan was <laughs> unable to leave the team at that time and, and gratefully did not um, show up for Millie's uh, squad. My squad uh, won. And and uh, now your kids have your name. No, now Millie's name is uh, Millicent Eden, oh, Eden Park. <laughs> This, yeah, another well-executed gag. Very well played. Thank, thanks, thank you. Thank you. Um, what a fucking dude. I know, lovely man. Yeah. He's always been very uh, patient and kind to me with my fandom mm. on the moments mm. that I've managed to spring him in public. Yep. Um, had a really big night with him in uh, Adelaide yeah. and very grateful that he didn't tell me to just leave him the fuck alone uh, yeah. when I'd had yeah. like 19 beers. Yeah. Very generous. Um, we should uh, we should probably wrap that up around about here. Um, what 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 are the chances of play tonight? Do you know? I reckon about. I reckon we're going to get forty overs. Forty overs. Okay, just enough to make you have to come in uh, tomorrow morning. And yes, record a yes. So if we, I don't know exactly how we'll cut off the cut off the over limit, but uh, if there's a lot of play uh, tonight, then tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be doing a podcast with Simon's replacement, Jonathan Pierce. Um, and if there's not really all that much played, then we're probably not going to bother and uh, we'll bank up some sleep for for the bigger challenges to come. As Alex wrote earlier this week, sleep banking isn't real, so just stay no, all night. No, it's not. No, no. But, you know, uh, got to be at peak performance, you know. You never know when we're going to get another former Black Caps test captain on and have to talk to them, uh, you know, semi-coherently. I've got Richard Hadley's number. Oh, fantastic. Let's just call him right now. Call him next week. Call him tomorrow. <laughs> call him tomorrow. We've, we've, been a go- we've gone too long anyway. Thank you very much for helping us on a Saturday, Alice. Thank uh, you to the beer spot. Thank you to the spin-off members. And thank you to Brendan McCullum. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.